Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion, to which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because they anchor us in something which can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. Greetings, people. Greetings from the convalescent home of (laughs) COVID Steve. (laughs) I am recovering though slowly. This is a doozy, you guys. Oh my goodness. Don't get it. Don't get it. Well, welcome uh, to Missional Sunday. Uh, In case you're just sort of new around here, which I know some of you really are, I want to explain our five environments really quick. So a few years ago, a few of us got together and, and we basically said, you know, everyone grows according to different uh, soils and different environments at different times in their lives. They need different things uh, in order in order to experience a new beginning with God uh, or just to evolve in their faith development. And so then we began to ask, well, like, you know, there's, we, we probably can't name them all, but if there were maybe four or five unique environments that people are soils that people need to sit in for a while in order to grow, what are they? And so we came up with these five. So there's sacramental environments. That's like going to church on Sunday, experiencing Eucharist, baptisms, funerals, weddings, these things that that we show up and in a mysterious way, God meets us um, at church and stuff like that. And then there's relational environments. We're going to try that on next week. Uh, These environments where you sit face-to-face with another human being or two or three or four and you're known and you know them in a way that's more deep. Sometimes that's what you need in order to grow. And then there's developmental environments, these environments where we learn something new, where our minds or hearts or souls are expanded in a different way that make us go, whoa. So an example of that was the scripture circle that many of us sat in, led by Steph Spencer a couple of weeks ago. We also put kids and teens in that in that environment, learning labs in that developmental environment. And then we have pastoral environments. Sometimes you just need to sit down with a, a caring presence so that they can listen to you in your pain, in your bewilderment, as you navigate your way through a loss or even a, a, a decision that you're trying to make. You need to sit with a caring presence. So that's pastoral. And then today uh, we're looking at missional environments. And this is how we define it on our website. So a missional environment offers opportunities for individuals and teams to serve support and advocate for the needs of others as a way of joining God's restorative work in the world, right? Let me say it again. Missional environments offer opportunities for individuals and teams to serve, support, and advocate for the needs of others as a way of joining God's restorative work in the world. 
So that's what we mean when we say missional. Now, I want to say this really loud and clear. I think this is super important. Uh, but being missional is different than being colonial, right? Being missional means to come alongside someone else or a group of people to support and empower and even center them rather than centering yourself. Being colonial means to insert your own system or solution onto someone or something else. Those are two very different things. Can I get an amen on that one? Missional is coming alongside in order to support, help, and center them. Colonialism is about centering yourself and inserting your own system in the world. And we're not talking about that. Okay. So, uh, and I see that. Amen. Jessica. Yes, I see that. Amen. So we're going to talk about that today. What does it mean to be missional? Uh, and we're going to, we're going to keep defining that word so that, cause I know it even is gross for, for some of us even still. Um, so let me share this quote by uh, one of my heroes of the faith, the late Robert Mulholland. He wrote several books, but he has this phrase that I just love. And he turns a phrase uh, in a way that's so delicious. And he says this about Christians. Often we will expend amazing amounts of energy and resources to be in the world for God. But you see, he says, we are called to be in God for the world. Whoa, not in the world for God as a way of like, that sounds colonial. But to be in God for the world means that we can come alongside and center others and, um, and join God's restorative work that God is already doing. Um, so um, let's do some all play questions. You guys ready? Yeah. Uh, and by the way, you're going to hear from Dave Schlenk later on. You're going to hear from Nate DeBoer later on. You're going to have an opportunity, if you want to, to share any of the ways that, any small or big ways that you've tried to be intentional about coming alongside others this week about being missional. We also are going to do Eucharist together. So at some point during the morning, if you don't have the elements, grab those Oreos, grab that milk, grab that wine, grab that Bloody Mary, grab that kind bar or granola bar, whatever that is. Well, I like that. Uh, grab whatever, grab that coffee, grab whatever you need to uh, celebrate the Lord's table together because Allie's going to lead us, Pastor Allie is going to lead us through that in a bit. Okay, so let's do some off-play questions. You can use the chat to uh, answer. Um, what do you think Mulholland means when he says we are called to be in God for the world? What do you think Mulholland means when he says, we are not called to be in the world for God, we are called to be in God for the world? Just take some stabs. Remember, all play questions are great because there's no right ones. There's just answers that lead to more questions and questions that lead to more answers. And so Nate DeVore, I love it. Meeting people where they are at. Perfect. I love that. Being in God for the world means meeting people where they're at. What else? Love it, love it, love it. I'll provide lots of time here because I know that's a, it's kind of a deep question. Uh, okay, this is Rick Patton. God is already at work. We join in 100%. Thanks, Rick. 
God is already at work and we get to join in. That's a very different way of thinking than having to muster up something. I think this is Allie prioritizing knowing God and being transformed by experiencing true divine love. Yes. That's the fuel that allows us to be for the world in a way that's healing instead of colonial. I like that. Okay, Christine, the closer I draw to God, the more naturally God's love flows from me to the world around me. That is gorgeous, Christine. And actually, it's right in the money. Robert Mulholland, the person that said this quote, views it as kind of like a, a, like view it like a tube where God's love flows through, you are the tube <laughs> and the love flows out to someone else, but there has to be a connection to God in order for the love to flow through. Love it. Um, okay, Danny Cook, um, by the way, I think I'm the only person other than his mother that is allowed to call him Danny. So, and I just, I didn't ask for that permission. I just took it, okay? I just took it. So that's Danny. Being in the world for God sounds a lot like take our country back for God, exactly, rather than being in God for the world or reflecting God's love to the world and allowing the world to come to God. Yes, see, totally, exactly. We're not bringing the world to God. We're finding God in the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's totally different. It's totally different. Um, Holly, shoddy, taking the strength that you have found in God, yes, to empower you to serve others' needs. Yes. It's rather than pressing the dig deep button or feeling really guilty in order to serve people that you're supposed to, it's finding that strength that you've already had in God and then letting that flow out. Okay, Mark Granger, drop your organizational agenda and look for the next right thing informed by others. I really like that one. Thanks, Mark. Man, that's some good wisdom. That's some really good wisdom. And that's hard to do, you know, because when, when we hear your organizational agenda, the immediate thing is to think of someone else's gross organizational agenda. The hard thing is to go, okay, what's my gross organizational agenda that I think is so pure and good? And what does it mean at times to drop that one too? Uh, Dave Schlenk, colonial. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've, we've, we've taken some time. <laughs> DJ. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, Rebecca Knotts. Uh, I think when I'm in God, I'm probably in my truest self. Now we're getting there, people. My most intuitive, compassionated, seeing self, which means I'm likely showing up to others with more insight and care and humility. Yes, you guys. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Will, it's a posture, Will Lee. It's a posture of union with God versus marching out on God's behalf. Yes, I think what we're talking about is, you know that beautiful quote that Jesus have where, where he says, Jesus has where he says, take my yoke upon you because my, my yoke is easy, my burden is light and follow me and, and find rest for your souls. You know, it, it, that sounds very counterintuitive when you're thinking about like doing work for God. But if we do it in such a way that we rest in union with God, and we experience divine love in a myriad of ways, then I think when we don't even realize it, uh, we're loving others and, and giving to others and being, um, 
sorry, I'm 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 catching up. Dave Schlenk says his his colonial word. It was a joke. You taking permission to call Dan Danny as example of colonialism. One hundred percent. It's true. See what is my gross organizational agenda? Right there it is. It's calling Dan Danny. Oh, it's funny. All right, you guys are boom roasted. So good. Oh, it's so good. Oh, you guys. Dave Schlink for the win again. I mean, he is the humor god of the universe, and I'm all here for it all the time. Okay. Um, here's another all play question. So, if we're talking about being in God for the world and all the ways that you're trying to be in God, resting in God, what specific practices do you think you might need to practice in order to be? in God for the world? What are some practices beyond just theory, beyond just, you know, okay, whatever, um, beyond words, beyond, yeah, that's the right answer. What are some practices that you think help you to be in God for the world? And Pam, right away, I think you're right on the money. That's probably number one all the time. It's listening, 100% listening. And I just want to say, I see you, Navy. I see you, beautiful Navy, with your sweet single pony rocking the top. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, um, Bob Timberley, not acting like I just did at the Caribou drive-through. <laughs> okay. I, maybe we want to hear that story. Maybe we don't. Was there some colonialism at work going on there, Bob? Uh, presence, John Powell. Yes. Just simple presence. Uh, Rebecca, expanding the voices I'm listening to. And you guys, that is one of the biggest ways. I, I totally agree. You know, say, what, who am I not listening to? And, and, and who am I not hearing from? And so that I can be with or in God. Um, yeah, Pam, true confessions, Bob. I love it. Uh, Danny Cook, leading with how can I help instead of here's what we should do. Yes. And it's easy, you guys, to lead with here's what we should do. You got to check that. You got to check yourself before you wreck yourself uh, because that's a really easy, easy posture to have. Uh, Will, Will Lee, I've been trying to sing the language of the Psalms in my own private time. Developing this ancient tongue has helped me see differently. Thanks for, thanks for adding that, Will. You know, I think in times as I've read the Psalms, they're, they're actually so brutal, you know, right? Like sometimes they're a little too happy, but sometimes they're like, you're dashing people's babies against the rocks because you're so angry. And it's like, oh my goodness. But it's a way of really expressing the range of emotions. I think that we all truly have as a way of getting in touch with, you know, who we are in God. Um, Bob Timberly, trying, trying not to do too much, trying not to overextend, knowing what is mine to do today. And that's a great one, Bob. Um, I think that came from our good work with, uh, the global immersion project that, that that question of what is mine to do today which also begs the question what is not mine to do today because it's not everything right um reagan granger not judging people's answers when they say what they need yes right or not doing that thing oh that's nothing you know you need that i need this i mean <laughs> how easy it is to do that too right okay christine uh, radical honesty with yourself Whew. and radical self-compassion so I can extend that to others too. Yeah, you know, have you, have you guys heard of the book, The Four Agreements? 
radical, beautiful, beautiful book. It's been rocking my world. I've been listening to it. And in, in the four agreements is this radical quote, you will accept exactly the amount of abuse that, um, from others that you heap on your own self. You will accept exactly the amount of abuse that you heap on your own self. So that's why self-compassion is so important, you know? Um, so, Ooh, it's good. Uh, Bob Timberley, KDS advice to me many months ago. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the, what is yours to do today? For sure. Love it. Love it. Um, okay. So anything else? What are some, what are some practices that help you? This is so good. I didn't know what to expect in this one as a staff. We talked about it like, Hey, how's this missional conversation going to go? Is it going to be crickets? You know, is it going to be, well, this is not crickets. You guys are amazing. You guys are great. Any other specific practices that are helping you to be in God for the world? Again, listening. Okay. Junia, listening to my teachers. I missed that one. Um, yes. Listening to my teachers. That's great. Junia. I love that. Hey, Junia praise. That's awesome. Um, Okay, so let's, we're going to do some more all play questions. Um, and John Powell, centering voices from the margins and what I read and listen to. Yeah, John. And I've seen you do that in real time, John. I've, I've, I've seen your Facebook posts. I've received books from you, John, that are, are you doing exactly that. So that you are practicing what you're preaching there. And I know that that's true. Um, so, so good. By the way, I would say any book by Father Gregory Boyle. Uh, you can start with Tattoos on the Heart, where he so beautifully centers voices that are from, from the margins in his own life. He's a priest in, um, in L.A., and um, he's really, really good. So that's, that's one of the ways. There are so many others, too. I mean, I would, you know... I think Austin Channing's book, um, I'm Still Here, is just a, just a gorgeous, gorgeous book. Another woman that I think is getting some airtime right now, Sandra Van Opal. Is that her name, you guys? Help me. Uh, Latina, Latinx. She is Sandra Van Opstel. Yeah. Whew. She's saying some really, really good things. Uh, so you want to follow her. Anyway. So I, I think we, I'd like to shift a little bit and hear from, first of all, Dave Schlenk, and then second of all, we're going to hear from Nate DeBoer. Both of these guys have been on the journey of coming alongside being missional in ways that I think are pretty inspiring. So uh, Dave Schlenk, let's start with you. How do I... Yeah, I go. think I'm a co-host, so I'm Perfect. good here. <clears throat> well, hello. Um, Thanks for inviting me to speak. Um, I have prepared a slideshow because I'm that sort of person. Let me see if I can figure out how to work Zoom. Do, 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 do. That. Oh, just kidding. Hang on. Uh, da, da, da.
that didn't work. All right, well, we're not, oh, there we go. Later, okay. I don't know if that worked or not, but okay. How about now? Is that better? Is it working? Um, Dave, did you do share screen at the bottom? Yeah, but my, then my computer was like, you have to give it permissions and I, then I have to leave and come back. So I'm just going to skip the slideshow. Can you like post it or send it? Yeah, I'll do that. I really want to see it. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, so the, yes. Okay, Dave, you could, you could email it or to we us can have, quick. You can have Nate can, Sure. Can Let's, we could have Nate do his yeah. first and then I'll there we go. quit and come back. There we go. Perfect. Perfect. Nate, is that okay? Can you, uh, can you pivot that quick? I believe I can. All righty. I'm up first. Boy, that's exciting. Um, hey, everyone. Hope your week's going well. Uh, my internet has been dropping. Like this is awesome, you guys. This is awesome. Nate, hey, we lost you. Can you hear me? Okay. Um, so I am talking about the uh, Riverside Innovation Hub project that I've had the pleasure of being a part of now for the last six months. Um, and yeah, thank you also, Steve, for that distinction between missional and colonialism. That's always something I'm, I'm just, every time I hear mission, I think, ooh, yuck. But I love being able to make that distinction. So. Um, the Riverside Innovation Hub is a two-year program that uh, I've been engaging with alongside uh, Brianna Lyther, uh, Kara Burhage, Joan Schoening, John and Kristen Powell, and it's focusing on this goal of learning how to become a public church. And once again, that term public church, like I guess I always thought growing up in my religious views as we were a public church, you know. We were the public church. We're Christians. And so even through this process, it's how do you take that pieces of that framework that, you know, I thought the church represented the public around me when now I realize a lot of that was insulary. So then how do we do that work and engage with our communities in a way that actually makes the church public? It's actually a, uh, a difficult process, just like everything God calls us to. Um, so the way we're defining, or this program really defines being a public church is trying to be a congregation of people who are active and intentional in building mutual relationships with the neighbors around us in our neighborhoods, geographically, in a way that um, promotes well-being and thriving of this larger community. Um, and I think the big key of, is that it looks like people receiving the good news. Because when people receive love and resurrection and hope and reconciliation, it has nothing to do with whether they prayed to Jesus that morning, and it has everything to do with how their daily lives are actually impacted um, in a way that truly matters. So I'm excited and really hopeful that by focusing on how to be a public church, specifically in the location of Robbinsdale, 
and within our, you know, our congregational community that this allows people to learn and bring public church into their own locations, whether it's their families, their neighborhood, and their community. Um, so thus far, we've kind of participated in these large group learning events that have been hosted by RIH, um, which have been very informative. Um, and in, in a good way, gives you the scope, has given us the scope and awareness that this is a massive thing we're talking about. It's not just, a, oh, cool, you can spend a few Sundays being you know, being accompanying and you've done it. Next thing. It is a lifelong journey and a really great phrase that they've used is it moves at the speed of trust. And especially in our communities, you know, I think of this a lot too, in just the greater Minneapolis community, there's a lot of mistrust when people with my skin color show up and start asking questions. Because so many times that trust has been taken advantage of, whether it's been for, from a you know religious perspective or just even civil perspectives or whatever perspective, acknowledging that piece of where we're coming from, whether we're trying to or not, is huge. And so a part of this uh, process so far has been us kind of learning about the lenses that we use when it comes to our culture and society. Uh, we all took the individual uh, intercultural development assessment, um, the IDI. I had never heard of it, but it's a really powerful tool developed like in the 80s that glimpses, you know, where are our biases? Because I have them, we all have them. What lens am I using to look at not only people of my own culture and skin tone, but people of others? And just being able to recognize that has it already knocks you down a couple pegs. <laughs> it helps you go like, this isn't just something I can just do in a week or a month. You know, this, there's a right reason it's a two-year program. And that's just to get us started as a congregation. But what I've seen is that, you know, if we do this practicing of accompaniment together intentionally, it is, and you bring your curiosity and genuine genuineness to it, at its core, it's about building connection and it's about building an unbridled connection, just a pure connection that will further the conversations into how we can help. So we are also partnering with Elam on the work. And as we continue learning this, um, we will be inviting, I, I don't know when, but I'm excited for the point where we can start inviting more and more of the Genesis community into the larger and continued work of being a public church. So. Personally, uh, I just wanted to say how it's been engaging and eye-opening for me. Um, we've, uh, as we've explored kind of the insides and outsides of how we interact with our social circles and how we can step into the kind of awkward and really without being presumptuous space of how do we just get to know people in the community. And um, some of us have had a lot of uh, luck just by reaching out to local uh uh, local kind of leaders. Um, the, the term I think they use is kind of the people who are uh, at the middle of listening circles or list, listening posts in the community. Uh, things like the um, school board, uh, the city council. And so by meeting with them one-on-one -on -one and getting to know those, their stories, we're really trying to move into this or start this movement of accompaniment and learning to glean where we can maybe focus our effort and meet more people and hear more stories. I personally just met with a few folks, um, most of them from this congregation, but even that I think was beautiful just because 
even if I've seen someone for years on Sunday to really sit down and be intentional about, I want to learn your story and I want to learn how I can be a part of it to move forward. Um, it's just a really powerful stance and that's been really beneficial for me. So we're each taking it day by day. It requires a lot of um, intentionality, which right now between how busy life normally is, this added compounding pandemic weirdness that really does sometimes limit how we can interact with people. Um, we're just asking that we give ourselves grace and compassion as we take each step. Um, but I'm both excited along with intimidated, but with, I think the wonderful people, not only in this community, but also this core group of RH team members, um, I think we can leverage this opportunity and training to be better neighbors, stewards, and listeners to all the communities we walk in. So I'm really excited for this whole endeavor. Oh, thanks so much, Nate. <clears throat> I love this idea of accompaniment that you talked about, this idea of walking around a neighborhood, noticing where the life is, and then eventually sitting down without an agenda other than just to get to know someone's story. Um, and I think that takes courage, but I also think it, when we can do that, it opens up so much uh, possibility for long haul relationship, you know, um, that can lead to surprising mutual transformation, right? You know, and that's what we're looking for. I mean, that's the difference mainly between missional and colonial is missional in the way that we're talking about it is mutual transformation. You know, it's mutual transformation. So thank you so much. Yay, yay, yay. Okay, Dave Schlenk, are you ready, buddy? I think so. Let's, let's try it. Okay, I think it's working. All right. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> clearly, that's very tongue in cheek as far as uh, um, the, the, I mean, you know, whatever, monetizing cringe picks for the Lord. So, um, a little bit of a story time on where, where, where this came from. So, first, Schlazathon is a thing that I did last fall um, <clears throat> where uh, a friend of mine from college, um, actually about a year, a little over a year ago, originally took pictures of me wearing Zubas, like kind of like just funny pictures. Like she's a wedding photographer, was a wedding photographer, and um, just took like senior picture type things uh, in me wearing my pandemic wear. And then I sent like everybody I whose address I had um, Valentine's in the mail um, with some gum because we're all sick of smelling our own breath, um, in, in the pandemic, uh, in masks. So, um, that, that was kind of where this, this thing, this thing kind of started. Um, when I did that, you know, I was just, it was, I just thought it was kind of a funny thing to do, but then like everybody was like actually genuinely touched when they got them. Cause like, who doesn't like getting mail? So, um, <laughs> um, so that kind of like put me down a road that I hadn't really, um, spent much time considering or thinking about in, in, in my life of like trying to find ways to care for my friends and neighbors and, and, and those around me, um, particularly in this um, relatively um, annoying and, and difficult time that we, we are currently still stuck in. Um, and so 
you know, I started like paying more attention to people's needs, like, you know, people who actually got COVID, do they need, you know, to borrow our pulse oximeter or do they have mucinex? Do they have, do they need, you know, something, an easy meal to prepare that kind of a thing? Do they need masks so that the rest of their family doesn't get um, COVID? Um, and so, you know, and that, and just reacting to, you know, a lot of the, you know, GoFundMe or other mutual aid type things that I'd see um, posted on Twitter and actually donating instead of just silently judging people who <laughs> maybe didn't plan ahead or something, you know, as, 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 as a man of privilege might uh, <clears throat> have previously had that attitude. But, um, and it's just, it, it was just a really, it's an easy way for me um, uh, to sort of, you know, to, to, to share concern and love for, for my neighbors. And it, it's, it's, it's kind of incredible the feeling you get, um, you know, knowing that your little, you know, lasagna from Costco, you know, fed somebody, um, you know, um, that was, would have had a hard time putting a meal together that night. So, um, uh, yeah. So that was kind of, you know, so it was, you know, the last, uh, last Valentine's day was when, you know, that kind of kicked off. And then, <laughs> um, we, we decided to do another photo shoot, um, last fall. And, um, and I wasn't really quite sure what to do with them because I was like, well, I could do Valentine's again, but, and actually I probably will, but, um, the, the, um, oh, this was the slide I was supposed to show on the, uh, the Valentine's. I forgot about that. Um, but anyway, then I was like, well, you know, um, we could make this the, the, the second campaign of, of pictures, um, a little bit more interactive. And so, um, if you didn't know, the internet is amazing. Um, and, uh, you can do such things as, um, badger your friends on social media to, um, give their money away to other people. Um, and uh, use things like Canva. Thank you, Rachel, for reminding me that Canva exists. Um, and uh, make embarrassing pictures of yourself and um, continue to uh, annoy your friends into giving away their money to other people. So uh, that's what I ended up doing. So if you aren't familiar, um, I did, it was like a two week thing where I just made funny pictures in Canva of using the pictures that my friend Betsy took and, um, you know, encourage people to make donations and tell me about them. And then if they did, I would send them a, a wallet print of, of one of the pictures. Um, and, um, yeah, the response was kind of incredible. I didn't really know what to expect. Um, but, um, yeah, we ended up raising, I think, so here's an example of, of the picture of one of the pictures, the Canva pictures I made. Um, and um, we ended up raising, this is actually inaccurate. It was over $7,000 by the time it was done. Um, and see, these are some of the, the um, organizations that people decided to, to support. Um, and uh, yeah, it was cool. Um, you know, I kind of made some decisions early on that like I didn't really want to handle anybody else's money. So people just donated to whoever they wanted to and then told me about it on a on a web form. Um, and I didn't ask for proof or anything. If you're going to lie about donating money, that's your business. Um, 
Um, but I also wanted to be inclusive because not everybody could actually afford to donate. So if people didn't have the means to, to do that, um, I just, you know, wanted them to share the name of an organization that they, um, you know, had a heart for and would like to donate to if they had more money, um, more resources to do so, so that I could add it to the list of places that people, um, could, you know, consider supporting. Um, and I'd still send them a wallet. So, um, cause that's the reality, right? Like, um, not everybody is in the same place and, um, it, you know, I didn't want to, uh, be that, uh, have that as a, as a, as a, um, you know, something burning them from, you know, sharing a, a great name of organization or something like that. So, um, so yeah, um, that's kind of, um, roughly what it was, um, as, as I think about the future of, of that thing, um, something that I'm curious about, uh, doing is trying to find more ways to, um, to make it more of a, an ongoing thing, kind of, um, getting back to what I was, you know, what the original Valentine thing, um, got me thinking about was finding ways to, um, to care for, you know, my community and neighbors. Um, and so, uh, and encouraging others to do so as well. And so that's kind of, you know, what I'm looking at going, um, going forward is, um, you know, uh, charitable organizations are great and they can do things that, you know, um, individuals can't cause they have, you know, more resources and better coordination and all that. But, um, sometimes those, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, um, relationships, there's needs that you can meet in those, um, in those areas that, you know, a, a larger organization could never even know about in, in the first place. Um, and I think that's, um, something that's kind of, you know, been on my heart, um, as we've, you know, gone through this pandemic. So, um, yeah. And yes, ornaments. I did make ornaments as well. Um, so, uh, as the, um, I had like originally was going to, if you donated a certain amount, um, then I'd say make an ornament and you could have a forever memento of, of the thing. And I, I ended up making them for everybody cause it was fun. So, um, that was cool too. But, um, next year, I think I'm going to make something that fits in an envelope that I can just put in the mail for a normal stamp. So I don't have to drive all over town, but it was fun to drive all over town as well. <laughs> so anyway, um, I am definitely like, if, if anyone is interested in talking more about it or, um, becoming involved in like the planning of the next thing, um, definitely, uh, <laughs> I want to drive all over town again. That's cute. Thanks buddy. Um, uh, definitely would love to, to chat about that and what ideas you might have and things. So, yeah. Uh, Dave, that was so beautiful for so many reasons, but what I loved about it was it, it took your creativity and humor and desire for inclusivity and desire to help people. And then you just found a way to come alongside uh, organizations that were already doing good work. You found a way for everyone to be involved, not just people with means. Um, <clears throat> it was creative. It was generous. And I think it really was inspiring to a lot of people. 
And so thank you so much for that, Dave. I just, I was so, I was personally so inspired by that as I saw it, as I saw it moving along and happening. So thank you. Well, we want to spend a couple minutes um, giving you, any of you, an opportunity to share a few words about maybe some of the ways that you tried this week to come alongside in a missional way, someone else or a group of people. Maybe it was your someone in your household. Maybe it was someone else. Maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it was a student. But um, if you would like to share, I think maybe the easiest way is just to raise your hand. You know, you can do that or just type in the chat either what you did, if you want to do it that way, or type in the chat, hey, I'd like to share, and then I can unmute you, okay? Maybe that's the an easier way for me to navigate it versus raising your hand. Just if you'd like to share it, share it in the chat. And I see you, Bob, you gave blood. Awesome. Great job. Uh, if you want to share it in the chat, great. But if you want to share it on, you know, using your voice, you can do that too. Uh, oh, Jerry, not Bob. And so did Bob. Oh, no, no, Holly gave blood too. Great job, you guys. So, yeah, so this is your chance. Either share it in the chat or um, type in the chat. I'd like to share verbally. You can just share with small or big ways that, um, that you have come alongside. And then Will is saying, or even share how your work or job doesn't always feel missional, but maybe you saw it in a new way this past week. Yeah, totally. Um, and then Junia, I played with my cousin this week. Yes, I bet, I bet Junia, I bet you brought that cousin lots of joy. And that is such a great way to be in God for the world. Play. I love it. Who else? I see you, Ivor. Nice job, buddy. I see you too, Colin. Hi, Colin. Okay, Colin has been coloring pictures for his friends at daycare. Way to go, Colin. Yes, that's so great. Hi, buddy. I love how the kids are just diving right in. They get it. You know, they get it. It's great. My son Isaac on the way to school, uh, we passed by this one corner where there's frequently people signing and um, sometimes I give money, but uh, this day, last week, he pulled out his wallet and he said, dad, I want to give some money. So he gave six bucks to this person signing, which is awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, okay, I'm, I'm seeing some things on chat, so great. Bob Timberley, at 74 years of age, well past retirement. I'm working on pro bono work 20 or so hours a week for a Black-owned business in North Minneapolis, hoping to bring some level of growth to a very dear friend. Way to go, Bob. That's very cool. And then Enoch and Michelle, we shoveled several driveways around the neighborhood. Way to go. Oh, that's such a gift. Someone did our driveway this last week, too, when all of us had COVID, and it was like, I almost cried. I was like, yeah. Um, Nate DeBoer heading to a friend's mom's place after church to fix her computer. <laughs> That's awesome. So you're just going to power it down and power it back up again. Awesome. Nice job. Um, 
Okay, Rachel Nadell, a friend of mine passed away from COVID. Oh no. I helped her. I helped with the coordination of meals for her intimate community and donate to her son's college fund. Way to go. Just way to be there right in that moment of need where it's really hard to know what you need, you know, so you just jump right in and do stuff. Um, Pam, I think this kind of sharing might feel like self-promotion. Yeah, we're better at talking about what others are doing. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> You're so right. We're a little shy about sharing what we've done. And that's okay. That's okay. Well, if you've heard of someone that some something that someone else did, and you want to share that, you can feel free to do that too. That's a good point. Uh, Katie Schlink, yesterday a man running for state senate and his son door knocked at our place. I decided to chat with him and be encouraging instead of hide in the family room. Wow. I mean, that's actually a big deal. I, mean, I, I typically just want to, yeah, I, I typically choose to hide. So way to go, Katie. That's huge. That's huge. Uh, Becky Patton, we've been on the receiving end this whole week. It's been humbling to continue to receive meals and help. Thank you. Yes, yes. Uh, and then Allie, I think this is Allie. The Kellys brought us the most delicious soup I've ever had. It was such a gift. The Kellys, you know. Is there a better family? I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, anyone else want to share something that they maybe did or something they heard of that someone else did that blew them away? This is really good, you guys. What a good conversation. Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any, any questions, questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.